Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is October the 30th. And our chapter for today is Philippians chapter 4. This is in the top five of all my favorite chapters in the entire New Testament. What a blessed chapter this is. I have read it God only knows how many times. I have translated this entire book out of the Greek text. I have studied the tax, the syntax, the forward and back, but, and not because I wanted to get technical, but because I wanted to wring out every bit of the joy that is in it, the fellowship that is in it, the knowledge of the obedience of Jesus and him laying aside his glory to come and to walk as a man yet without sin, walk in obedience and then die as my substitute and your substitute as the sinless son of God, the son of man that he would then be resurrected and gives to me eternal life that I can mine out day by day, working out the great salvation in my life that God has given me. And when he comes to chapter four, he says, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Over and over again, these terms of endearment. Why is he saying that? Because he loves them. It's amazing the connection of children of God, men and women of God all over the earth. You cannot know them, and a week later, they can be as close as your blood can or closer. Why? Because the fellowship we have in Jesus, the oneness that we have in Jesus, the fullness of the Spirit in Jesus. And so he says, you are my joy and my crown. Who's he talking to? He's talking about those that had been led to faith through his teaching and preaching. And they were his joy every time he thought about them when he was down and he was going through great suffering and persecution. He wanted to go on and move on and not stop because of what he had seen done in their lives in Macedonia. He said, you're my crown. You're my Stephanos. You're my Stephania. You are that victor's crown for me because you are the proof of the work of God in my life and in yours. And so he then talks to two women, Eodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. In other words, don't fuss and fight. Don't let your disagreements on things get to the point to where they cause you to break fellowship with one another and cause others to stumble. He says, I urge you also, true companion, to help these women who labored. He's speaking to his own brother in Christ. These women labored with me in the gospel. They worked. And Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, wait just a minute. How do I rejoice always? You rejoice always. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. That's a command. 
Rejoice is a command. Has nothing to do with how you're feeling. Worry has nothing to do with your feeling. It has to do with obedience. Don't fret and worry. Don't fret. What does that mean? You say, well, I think I need to be concerned. Well, of course you do. And you should be concerned about people. You should be concerned about things. You should be concerned about situations. But don't get to the point to where you're pulling your hair out. The word worry has the word picture latent within it of taking one side of your head and the hair of your head and then with your right hand taking uh, the other side, uh, your left side with another hand with your left hand and pulling the hair out. That's the idea where you're fretting. He said, don't fret. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Because what you cannot control, you do not need to fret about. What you can control, you don't need to fret about. You don't need to fret about anything. But in everything, in everything by prayer, that's general praying. You need to pray about everything. You need to talk with God about everything. You need to listen to God on everything and supplication, not just general prayer, but specific requests with thanksgiving. And and really, I think in this particular sentence should be translated out of the midst of, not with, but out of the midst of thanksgiving, out of the midst of thanksgiving, let your specific requests be made known unto God. Tell God all about it. Listen to God's voice and the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, all understanding. Will garrison, guard, set a guard, build a wall around your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Pray with general praying. Talk to God about it. Ask with specific requests out of the midst of while you're giving thanks. You see, the greatest requests come from a thankful heart because then we're in the right frame of mind to listen to God and listen to what he says. And so he says, finally, brethren, now he's just been talking about how we are to pray and think and not worry and not let our minds get all tied up and twisted. And here he tells us how to do that. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there is any praiseworthy things, meditate on these things. Now, many of you have heard me over the years talk about scripture saturation, not scripture memorization, but scripture saturation. You see, in order for us to change our conduct, we have to change our habits. And in order to change our habits, we've got to change our attitudes. How do we change our attitudes? One thought at a time. We bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. That takes effort and discipline. And Paul said, you've got to learn to think on the things that are positive. And I'm not talking about positive thinking as in modern day positive thinking. I'm talking about positive as in scriptural thinking, because scriptural thoughts are the thoughts of God. 
God. The Bible is inspired. It is the words of God. It's not just the word of God. It's the very words of God. Every jot, every tittle, every line, every syllable is God breathed. That's what the Bible says. Either that's true or it's not. And if it's not, eat, drink, and be merry, it doesn't matter because our salvation is based on the word of God. None of us were there when Jesus died. None of us were there when Jesus was raised from the dead. None of us had experienced eyewitnesses. We have to take God's word for it and the, and the words of eyewitnesses. What I'm telling you is that you and I have to take God at his word and we have to believe what he says more than what we think. We have to trust what he says more than what others say. We have to trust God and saturate our hearts and our minds with what he says. We need to meditate on those things. We need to ruminate on those things. And this is what God is saying to every one of us is to follow the Lord and allow him to cleanse our minds and walk with him in his word. And then it says, if we do this, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, we need to do them, not just think about them, but we need to let these words of God permeate our minds and change our actions. What we think, yes, precedes what we do. The reason you do what you do is because you think what you think. And so he says, if you will heed these things, think these things, and then do these things, the God of peace will be with you. And then Paul wants to say a word about his gratitude for the Macedonians that he bragged to the Corinthians about their great behavior and their generosity. He said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. They started sending him offerings again. He says, though you surely did care. In other words, you wanted to do this all the time. You were sincere in your giving, but you lacked opportunity. You had no way to get it to me. You didn't even know where I was at times. You had no way to express your love through giving. But he said, God knows your heart. And he said, not that I'm speaking in regard of need, for I've learned whatever state I'm in to be content. What do you say, pastor? What are you saying, pastor? He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to do without. I know how to abound. I know how to live with plenty. I know how to live without, without anything. Paul said, but in both, I've learned to be content. In whatever state, whatever season of my life, God has allowed that to happen, or I've gotten there through my obedience or disobedience, good or bad, but whatever it is, I need to learn to be content in that state until God moves again in my life. And so he says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. I've learned both to abound and to suffer need. And all of us, if we live life like Jesus, we are going to come to times in our lives of suffering, suffering need. And then we're going to have times where we're going to have more than what we need, and we need to be generous on both accounts. Remember, the Macedonians were so generous that even though they had very little, they gave not out of their 
abundance, Paul told the Corinthians, but out of their need. In other words, they did without something to give. Now, I don't know when you and I have done that. You have to search your own heart as I search mine. But when have I gone without a meal? When have I fasted three meals and taken the money from that day and put it towards something, toward something that in the name of Jesus would bless someone? I don't know that in your heart, but I know that in my heart when I search my heart, how often I've done that or not done it. And he said, I just want you Philippians to know that I know what you have done. And he said, uh, after learning how to abound and how to suffer need, I want to say to you that I can do any of that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying that in relation to doing without money or having more than you need, having a lot or having a little. He can live that way because of Christ Jesus, because the Lord will supply all of his needs. He said, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. It was good that you did that. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, it doesn't mean the beginning in Jerusalem, but his relationship with them. He said, when I departed from Macedonia, that's the time uh, location and stamp there. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. These poor Macedonians were the only ones that gave Paul a consistent love offering and support. He said, for even in Thessaloniki, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. And that's like a sweet-smelling aroma, acceptable sacrifice that that is well-pleasing to God. He said, I'm not bringing this up because I'm wanting you to give me another gift. I'm bringing this up because I want you to understand that God sees it all. And what you have done for me is a blessing to the heart of God. God loves it. And God loves it when we give. God loves it when we give. And nobody has to see us. God sees. And so he says, and my God, because of that, because you've been faithful, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not out of his riches. When someone gives you out of their riches, that's one thing. When they give according to their riches, that's another You see, when I give according to my riches, that's one thing. But when Bill Gates, Elon Musk give according to their riches, it's a big gift. Because you see, according means as they have. What I have or what you might have, whoever you are listening out there, that's one thing. And we might give out of our abundance and what God gives us. Or we might give out of our need. But when we give according to, that is qualifying and making something quantitative. That means it is according to what a person has. And if a person has a lot, that's a lot. But God has everything. He is infinite. And it's out of the riches? No. According to the riches That is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God blesses us. Now take that and think on it. 
Meditate on it. And the God of peace will be with you. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.